Well, Happy New Year. All right, let's try that again. Half a year asleep or, or too cold to pay attention. You know, it's, it's getting a little warmer in here. Happy New Year. It's good to be with you guys today. Um, welcome to 2020. Um, yikes, that happened quickly. Um, every year uh, on the first Sunday of the new year, we uh, do a little thing where we talk about um, kind of our, our vision and where we think that God might be leading us. Uh, and some of the themes that we think God is kind of pressing into us that we want to explore uh, in the in the coming year. And so that's what we're going to be doing uh, this morning is we're going to be talking about what it is that we're going to cultivate in 2020. Um, now, it would be really easy to make like some kind of corny dad joke about 2020 vision, and I'm not going to do any of that, okay? So uh, I thought you'd be relieved. All right. I'm sorry. We're we're ending on or we're starting uh, the new year on a down note. But um, so what I have been thinking of a lot uh, this kind of coming up to this year and, and in the recent months, uh, I've been thinking a lot about treasure. And in particular, there, there's kind of been one um, tiny little verse, uh, small little parable that that Jesus talks about in relation to the kingdom of God. And it has been a verse that I've been kind of meditating on since I was in college when I first became a believer. And it's been one of the most attractive and yet one of the most um, mysterious verses to me in the time that I've been a follower of Jesus. Um, and so I've been thinking about this verse a lot recently, and um, I, I think I've cracked something of what God has been saying to me through it. But it, this is going to be familiar to you probably, but it's Matthew 13, verses, verse 44. And Jesus says this about the kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. There's treasure in a field, he finds it, and then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has. And he, he grabs hold of that field uh, with that treasure. And this, so it's this picture of someone who stumbles upon something so valuable that absolutely nothing can stop him from building his entire life around it. Now, so let me ask you, we dialogue here a bit. What is that thing? What does Jesus say it is? That's so valuable. The kingdom of heaven. Okay. Here's, here's my question for you then. What is the kingdom of heaven? Alright, anywhere God gets his way. Where he rules and reigns. Okay. I want you to think about this. What is the kingdom of heaven? It's simple, right? I mean, on, on the one hand, it's like you, you've heard this again and again and again if you've been a believer for any length of period of time. This is a familiar concept to you. But here's the thing. As you think about this idea of the kingdom of heaven, 
Some of us think of maybe a present reality. I think many of us have this misconception that it's somehow uh, a place called heaven that we go to after we die. It's, but here's whatever your conception is of what this kingdom of heaven looks like, this is the question I want you to consider. Is your definition so compelling that it's worth betting the farm on it? That it, that, that it is the most compelling truth, the, the most... Um, the, the, the kind of the greatest treasure that you can possibly imagine worth building your entire life on, worth sacrificing anything for, so long as you get it. Is your definition compelling enough that, it, that when you think of it, it is the world's greatest treasure? If not, then we don't understand the parable. Because to Jesus, it's... it's it's so valuable, in fact, that not begrudgingly do you go and, and kind of throw off anything else to get it, but in your joy, you're willing to do it. So what, what is it? That's the question I've been asking. And for years, I thought I knew what the answer was. Um, but I think, I don't know if I've been mistaken, but... but I, I don't know that I've, I've kind of like discovered a way to describe it until recently. But I think one of the issues for us is that we think it's this thing that's sort of like far off, far removed from our situation, something else entirely, something that we can't grasp or attain, at least in this life. But here's the thing. When Jesus tells his disciples to go and start spreading the news about Jesus, this is what he says to them. Go and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is where? Near. Here. Now. And so it's, it's not a far off place. It's a nearby reality. And so whatever this treasure is, Jesus wants you and I to know, he wants his people to know that it's all around you. It's accessible. And it's so compelling that A, when you understand it, you will build your entire life on it, and B, you will tell everyone about it. So... I don't know when the last time is that you've read the book of Matthew, but if you keep reading, Jesus is dropping hint after hint after hint about this kingdom of heaven and what it means and what it looks like and why it's worth so much. But you have to kind of get to the very end of the letter uh, to see actually, maybe with greater clarity, what it means to, to attain the kingdom of heaven. And, and again, this is another familiar verse, but I want to connect it to this reality in Matthew 28, at the very end, when Jesus is risen from the dead, he now comes to his disciples. They're waiting on his words. They have their, their, this man back who they've lived and breathed with for the last three years together. And, and this is what Jesus says. Go and make disciples, learners of this way of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And this last line, this very last line, 
as surely I am with you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus comes to his disciples who have tasted a little bit of what it's like to have Jesus present in every moment. And then he says, I want you to go and, and, and immerse people in a reality like what you've experienced for the last three years. And oh, by the way, you don't have to give me up to do it because I'm not going anywhere, really. I mean, you're, you're not going to see me, but, but there's going to be a deeper way that I'm with you always and nothing is going to take that away from you. And so, so when you go, watch for me because I'm going to be present in everything that you do. And family, this is the treasure. This is the treasure. That, that it is a life lived in the abiding presence of God who invites us now to be attentive to and to join him in the ways of Jesus as he manifests himself in your world again and again and again and again. It's to live underneath his authority and to, and to hear him and to see him everywhere you go. It is to, to, to walk through life stumbling in a field and going, wow, there's treasure and there's treasure and there's treasure. And that treasure is Jesus. You, know, you remember this uh, verse that we talked about, that the singular work of a disciple is to watch the kingdom as it breaks into their own life. Is to watch the kingdom and the king break into your life. Um, today, actually, you may not know this, but as a church, uh, we are celebrating our nine-year anniversary since planting Cultivate. Um, and uh, so it kind of got me asking, like, what do nine-year-olds want or need most out of anything in life? And you may think that it's like uh, Coke or video games or uh, or the new and latest toy. And, and so I just happen to have a nine-year-old in my house. And so I get to watch him grow as I get to watch our church family grow. Um, and so I, here's one thing I was surprised about my son as we got kind of closer to Christmas and then after Christmas. Yeah, he wanted all the stuff, but do you, the greatest thing that he was interested in was to be with people. And maybe that's just the way that my son is wired, but, but at nine years old, I hadn't heard it to quite that degree before, but as we got closer to Christmas, he kept asking, like, when's Grandpa going to be here? When's Aunt Amanda going to be here? When, are, when am I going to get to see my cousins? When are they coming? When can we do this? How, how long are we going to be together? He just wanted to know all these kind of with questions, like, do I get to be with these people that I care about because I can't wait to see them? And then it's funny because when we got on the back end of the, of the um, Christmas season, um, the night before, you know, every kid hates going back to school, right? I mean, you have kids that hate going back to school after the break. Um, and th- there's a whole host of reasons why they hate it. But, but again, one of the reasons that my son didn't want to go to school is because what, what it, literally what he said was, when I go back to school, it means that I'm not going to see these people again for a while. 
It's like a definitive end to, or, or pause, if you will, to this, this time of being in relationship with the people that he loves. And I get that. And you get that. I mean, you've experienced that too. And maybe you're like, even now going like, it's sort of back to normal, you know? You're taking the Christmas decorations down, you know, you're not going to see people again for a few months, and you're going, it's back to status quo. And one of the things that you have to know about Jesus is that it's never back to status quo. Because once the resurrection happens and this moment occurs when Jesus appears to his disciples and says, I'm going to be with you, there is no, there is no kind of back to normal going to school and kind of leaving Jesus behind. It's us and Jesus from this point forward forevermore. And this age has not ended. And so Jesus, this is the promise, that there's, not, there's going to be nothing that will interrupt my ability to be present with you wherever you go. And if, if, if my people, if you will see the world with kingdom eyes, then you'll know that this is the only treasure worth building your entire life upon. You don't have to leave behind the concept of Emmanuel as a Christmas concept. Because Jesus is Emmanuel forevermore. He is always with us. I mean, think about this. Not even death could remove him from us. In fact, death was the thing that made it possible for him now to join us forever. So if death couldn't stand in the way of it, what in the world else could? Do you think your busyness could? Do you think your schedule could? Do you think your sin could? No way. If death couldn't, why could those things? And this is what I believe that Jesus is saying to us this year, and this kind of gets us to our theme for 2020. Is that I, I think what Jesus is saying to us this year is, in a sense, I want you to live your lives together as though every day is a treasure hunt for my presence. Every day, you get to wake up in the morning and hunt for me, and I will not be far from you. In fact, I'm waiting for you. I'm buried in that field. And, and, and every moment in your day, every interaction with your church family, or we, even with your coworkers and your spouse and your friends and your family, you th- the people that you think are furthest from God, I'm actually in those things too. I want you to be I want you to discover me. And so that's the question. Will will we watch for where Jesus is at work? Will we be attuned to, discerning of his presence? Will we will we slow down enough and unplug enough to be the kind of people that that see him where we go and hear what he wants to say when we see him at work? And I'll just tell you right now, as I've, as I've been kind of pressing into this, one of the things that I'm noticing is that, not, is that God is at work in places where I've previously um, discounted his ability to be at work. The places where God seems to, to want to grab my attention is not always in the 
like rainbows and sunshine and flowery feelings. Oftentimes, many times, it is in the inconveniences that I experience. It is in the evils that I need to confront. It is in the hardships that I face where God is most present, most active. I mean, and this makes perfect sense because, remember, it's, it's the death of Jesus where God was most at work to bring us near to Him. And so, if it's in the death of Jesus, we're, the moment with, that everybody missed at the time that God was actually doing His most redemptive work, then don't you think, then, it will be in the places of your life and the places of your heart that seem like death to you. And Jesus' promise is, if we turn to those areas, if we turn to those places, if we, if we watch for him, those holes that, <laughs> that feel like they're stumbling blocks in a field, where we're just trying to run a race to the end of the field, you know, like... I'm just imagining like, you know, treasure in a box that's like, you know, six inches below the surface. Like when you hit that thing running through a field, it's going to feel like a stumbling block. And yet it's actually Jesus trying to get our attention. So the promise is when you hit those things, I am with you. So watch for me. And when I present myself to you, wait on me. Realize that, that, that I'm doing something and trust that my presence is there and then walk with me some more because the singular work of a disciple is to watch the kingdom as it breaks into their life. It's to stumble upon buried treasure and to realize just how valuable it is to walk through life with Jesus there. And so... so this is kind of the, the, the theme that we're sort of pressing into this year is to be this kind of community that's constantly asking the question, Jesus, how are you breaking in? What are you at work doing? How can I respond to that? What do you want to say? What do you want to do? Because you're in charge. You're bringing the kingdom of heaven and it's a joy to me if I will receive it as such. Now, so how, how are we going to do some of that? I want to... I want to lay out a few things, a few ideas of, of some things that um, we're planning to do as a community this year. Um, so I've got five of them that I'm going to um, talk about this morning that are going to be kind of coming down the pike, some very quickly and some over the next six months or so. Um, but I, I just want you to hear you know, some of the thoughts of what we're, we're, we're thinking of and then um, see if they resonate with you. Um, and then after I do that, we're going to move into response time. My, my time up here is going to be fairly short, and then we're actually going to do some, some sort of interactive prayer together. So that's kind of where we're headed. Um, so how are we going to, in a sense, train ourselves to be responsive to the presence of, of Jesus? Um, how are we going to put ourselves in positions to, to maybe better hear, better see what he's doing? Well, uh, so the first one's on Sundays. Uh, with our Sunday gatherings, um, we're going to start a series starting next week. It's going to run from uh, from next week until Easter. 
We're calling it the present one. And what we're going to be doing over this time is looking at various stories in the Gospels uh, of Jesus as he sort of breaks into the, the worlds of the people around him. And so we're going to be doing this kind of looking at, at instances where Jesus kind of comes on the scene um, and brings the presence of God in, in a unique way. And then we're just going to ask the question, like, what do we see Jesus doing and how does the presence of God change the reality of the people that are around us or around him? And then what does that mean for us? Um, so again, that starts next week. The second thing, <clears throat> um, if you if you've checked out the realm or maybe you got an email uh, from it last night, <clears throat> we're going to be starting a 90 day uh, Bible reading plan in the Gospels that's going to go along with the series. Um, so this is happening on the same app that we do our bulletins with. It's called the YouVersion uh, Bible app. So um, it's it's a 90-day plan that we're doing together as a community. There's a link um, to that plan in the bulletin. It's also going to be in the weekly email, or it was in the weekly email this week. Is that correct? I think it was, yep. Um, so you can check the, your email to see it. You can look in the bulletin to see it. Um, if you need the link and you don't have it, come and talk to me afterwards and I will give it to you. That's going to be starting officially on Monday the 13th. Um, so not tomorrow, but the following Monday is going to be the official launch day of that 90 days. But guess what? For those of us that have a hard time... Um, keeping up with reading plans, let's say, and, uh, and getting distracted along the way, because uh, that's certainly me, uh, you can start at any point. So that reading plan is open now. So you can start it today, you could start it tomorrow, you could start it this week and kind of get a jump on that plan before we get into it as a family. Um, so we're using um, the Bible Project's uh, gospel reading plan. So there are these great videos that happen before each of the sections that talk about what's going on in that to give you kind of a big picture of what's happening uh, so that you understand what you're reading as you read through it. And then each day has a little talk it over section so that you can kind of type out some impressions or things that God might be saying to you as you read and maybe we can interact and dialogue a little bit uh, through the technology that way. So also, if you're not technologically inclined, which I realize many of us aren't, that's okay too, because um, we're going to have each of those uh, passages for the week included in the weekly email. So if you want to just know what we're reading and read on your own, you're perfectly con- you know, fine to do that. You don't have to read through the phone. You can do it in your own Bible. But the point is that we want to do this together as a way to uh, kind of immerse ourselves in the story of Jesus so that he can start to make all these connections for us together as a family, okay? That's the second thing. So the first thing, Sunday gatherings, we're doing a series called The Present One. The second one was a 90-day reading plan that we're doing. The third one um, is that we're going to begin occasionally, I don't know how regularly these things are doing because I'm not the one in charge of them. So it depends on how often um, we can gather the the critical mass to do them. But we're going to be starting to do um, sort of uh, home-based nights of prayer and worship that we're going to call First Love. 
And if you remember when we went through the book of Revelation uh, in the fall, that comes from Jesus' letter to the Ephesians where he says that you have forsaken your first love. Repent and do the things that you did at first. And so these are going to be um, nights on, on uh, Friday nights that we are going to gather together to pray, to sing together, um, to, to, to seek Jesus together, to cry out uh, for him to reveal himself to us to show us what he wants us to, to, to see and to hear. Um, and the first one's going to be at the back end of February. So we're going to announce a little bit more about it coming up. We're still figuring out which of the days works, but it's going to be a Friday night at, towards the end of February. So check your calendars and, and um, try to keep those open if you can. We'll give you more details about location. Okay? So that's first love. Four. Number four um, is that we're going to uh, be doing a couple weekend workshops this year um, on, on a couple different topics related to this idea of being present with Jesus or inviting Jesus' presence into our world. Uh, the first one is a, a workshop that we're going to be doing on parenting. It's going to be led by some friends of mine at uh, Gravity Leadership. They're going to come in. We're going to actually make it a regional um, event where other churches will participate in this in, as well. But it's going to be kind of like a Friday night and Saturday morning workshop where we talk about uh, parenting and what does it mean to disciple uh, the kids in our life. And now, your kids may be uh, young like my kids or they may be old. Um, I think no matter what stage, um, if you have kids, they, they might be at. Or, or maybe you just want to learn what it looks like to be a spiritual parent. Um, I think there's going to be something in this for you that's going to be incredibly valuable. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be in May, right after Easter, that we're going to do this workshop on, on, um, on parenting, parenting in grace and truth. Um, the second one is something called the Calling Lab. And, um, and the reason what the Calling Lab is is a, kind of an um, intensive interactive experience to, to actually discover the ways that God has wired you. So it's kind of taking into account uh, your passions and your experiences, your spiritual gifting, uh, in order to help you to discern maybe what God is calling you to this year. So, so um, and again, we, if we're going to be a church that is on the mission of making disciples, then Jesus is the one that's leading that endeavor. And so uh, many of us, I think, we walk through life a little bit confused about um, how to discern God's calling and what that might mean for next steps in our, in our life and in the ways that we follow Jesus. And, and so this won't be like a, an answer to all of that, but it may move you in a direction of how to be faithful to what Jesus might be asking you to do next. And so this is something that we're going to um, do together. Um, and I don't have a date for that one, but stay tuned. And then the last, uh, number five, is, um, is uh, one of the things that we've heard consistently again and again from our group leaders, from our community group leaders, um, as we've, you know, launched out new groups and we, you know, they're all kind of up and running and started. One of the things that we hear consistently is um, we don't know how to... to to effectively sort of be on mission to the people around us. So we're, 
you know, we're, we're called to be family, disciples, and missionaries. And most of us, if we give ourselves a grade on those three areas, we, we would say like, yeah, check plus on the family, maybe check or check plus on the, the disciple. But on the mission thing, it's like check minus. And we're, you know, like, <laughs> we know that we should do it, but we're not sure how. We don't feel equipped. Um, and so what we're actually going to do is, I think coming up in, the, in um, maybe March, is, a, is an online class. It, it might coincide with the Sunday um, teaching series, but I'm not sure yet. Um, but it's going to be on joining Jesus on mission. Like, what does it look like practically um, to, to pray, to, to participate with Jesus, to, to throw parties, uh, invite people into uh, experiencing the kingdom of God uh, where you live, work, and play. So um, that's something that we want to help our, our family to get better equipped at doing. Um, and so I think that's going to be an online class. Don't, like, hold me to that. It might come in a different format, but the equipping is going to come in some way, shape, or form. But, but again, that's joining Jesus on mission. So those are kind of the five things that I'm thinking of to, to help us move in the direction of being present with Jesus. Again, it's the, the present one, a Sunday gathering uh, series. It's the 90-day reading plan. It's first love, praise and worship, uh, or, or worship and prayer nights. It is uh, a couple weekend workshops on parenting and calling, and it's a, a class on joining Jesus on mission. Now, the goal with all of these things, again, is to enable us to be more attentive to how God is already at work. How he's already at work in our families, how he's already at work in our church, how he's already at work and how he wants to call us and lead us, how he's at work in our neighborhoods or our network of friends and how to join in there. Because, again, we want to be the kind of people that are waiting and watching for the kingdom to break into every area of life. So we're going to move into uh, our response time next. Um, and it's going to look a little different today. Matthew's going to give some instructions in a bit. But we're going to have three prayer stations. He's going to kind of explain this uh, a little better to us. But this is the question that I want you to ask, at least in, in one of those three areas, is, is the question, in what area does, of life do I most need Jesus to break in? In what area of my life do I most need the presence of Jesus right now? How does he want to break into my life, my world? Um, yesterday, I was, I was um, for some reason, I was walking through. Um, you know, we didn't really go anywhere as a family, but we were together. And, and um, I just noticed that I was like grumpy all day. And I was working on a project and, like, getting grumpier by the minute, you know, sort of barking at my kids, like, when they would interrupt me. And this was before the Patriots game, so it had nothing to do with that yet. <laughs> so, so, so normally, you know, my, my, um, the way I would respond to that is just to, like, let myself be grumpy and, like, you know, like, I want to be mad right now. But I noticed yesterday, after a little while, I was like, wait, like, what is going on here? Why am I, why do I feel this way? Like, what, what is it that you're, 
what is it that I want right now that I don't feel like I'm getting and why do I think that I need it? And, and God was like, just in that moment, just saying like, you want, you want things to, to, to be done on your time schedule, under your control, and life doesn't work that way. Like, there's a reason I'm allowing your kids to interrupt you, so that you can pause for a second to see that I'm, I, I, I don't need you to finish your project today. I need you to be present with your family. And so I had to, like, in the, in the afternoon, just be like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry I've been so grumpy today. Um, I've kind of seen you guys as the obstacle to my happiness rather than the place where God's at work. So I'm going to try to change that. That's called repentance. So I share that just to say, like, how, how does he need to... How, how is he trying to break into your world? How is he trying to manifest his presence? And how are you going to respond to that? So, again, Matthew's going to come and give us some instructions. So, yeah, we're going to do... Um like little uh, prayer stations. This is just listening prayer. Like we do every single week here, but more intentional, more focused, and longer. Um, we're going to break it up into three different little subject matters. Is one like praying for our community, and specifically what does God want to say to our community about his presence? Uh, one personally, what does he want to say to us? And then the last one is what does he want to say to our friends and neighbors? And so there will be uh, a station up here, a station right here, and a station in the back near the soundboard. Um, there will be a leader at each one just to facilitate the time. We're going to listen for about three minutes, share what God has said for about two, and then uh, we have like a minutes to spare to to run over a little bit if that ends up happening and get to the next station and gear up for the next little station because we don't want to keep you here forever. Uh, but we do want to do this, and we think this is important. Um, each station is also going to have one of these little sheets of paper. Uh, you don't need to fill this out or do anything with it, but if you're the kind of person who does not like talking uh, in groups, uh, a group setting, that you can write down what God says. Um, um, or if this is just totally weird and you don't know what to do, you can always just take a piece of paper, pretend to write on it, fold it up, hand in a blank piece of paper just to save face if you want to do that too. We don't care. Um, um, it's it's really this, this is your get out, get out of feeling awkward card. That's what it is, because um, this is important and we want everyone to participate and have that opportunity without letting their anxieties get in the way. Make sense? Any questions? All right, let's let's break up um, and just kind of. I, I trust you as adults to split up into three roughly equal groups. So, um, huh? Yeah, start with the one nearest to you, um, and then if you notice it's really packed, go to another one. All right? Sound good? Break.